welcome to Teachers Care Society, the podcast that talks about all news and development in the educational field. We have a good show for you today as I'm joined by Brooke Albright, a third grade teacher from Camden, New Jersey, as we'll be discussing using music as a educational tool. And we'll also be discussing different strategies, how you can incorporate music in your classroom. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Today's guest is Brooke Albright, a third grade teacher from Camden, New Jersey. Welcome to the show. And how are you doing? I'm doing well. I mean, with the first week being back after <laughs> break, I am a little tired, but the good news is that tomorrow's Friday, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm just looking next to the the spring break. So. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm counting down the days. <laughs> yeah. So actually, you have described yourself that you wanted to be a teacher for the longest time. And I think some of your previous jobs were a childcare worker, a babysitter. And then once you completed your teaching preparation program, you actually found a job immediately, which, uh, congratulations. It's a pretty big accomplishment. Thank you. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a big deal. Um, for me, it took, I actually got hired like two weeks right before the school year was supposed to begin. So congratulations on you, you know, getting that job immediately. Um, can, can you describe what went through your mind when you heard the news of, you know, getting your first job, your teaching job? Well, I mean, I feel like I went through like a bunch of different emotions. Like I was excited. And then I was like, I go through like this imposter syndrome. Like, am I good enough to do this? Like, did I do enough work to do this? Um, but like after the initial shock wore off, I was excited and I was like, I'm going to make my mark. And, um, I've always wanted to work in Camden. So it made it even more exciting that I reached my goal to work in Camden. Cause I thought it was going to take a little bit, but, um, it's awesome. Like I'm here now. So <laughs> I was excited. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, is Camden, is that where, uh, I guess, is that those are the area we did do student teaching as well? Yes, it is where I did my student teaching. So, um, Camden is a city in New Jersey. It's right uh, next to Philadelphia, right over the bridge. Wow. So everything's in house. That's nice. <laughs> 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 yeah. so okay so you get the good news uh you have a little celebration and then a little time after that you hear that your school was starting off uh, distance learning or virtual learning uh were you stressed out or were you still in that honeymoon phase or like I'm, i got a job i feel good nothing can put me down um how was it for you yeah so i i can't say that i was like super stressed like i said um in during student teaching, I were I worked in Camden and we I taught kindergartners and we were all virtual. And I feel like teaching kindergartners virtual was just a struggle in itself. To learn that I had third graders who were a little bit older, a little bit better with technology, um, it kind of like, you know, the weight of like all on my shoulders was like lifted because I was like, all right, so I did it with the kindergartners. It was super hard how hard can third graders be? Um, but still like, I, I kind of felt cheated. Like I did all that work and I still wouldn't get to feel like a real life teacher, <laughs> but it, it, it wasn't so much like stress. It was just kind of like, Oh, like, man, really? Like I did, I finished student teaching as a virtual teacher and now I'm a real life virtual teacher. You know what I'm saying? Like, so wasn't stressed. It was kind of just like disappointment that I wasn't going to have that like opportunity that other first year teachers have. Yeah. Um, kind of same, similar experience with me. Like, you know, for example, yeah. So like naturally like analogy that I give is like, yeah, I got my driver's license, but I can only take the car around my block and nowhere else. And so <laughs> kind of that, uh, that analogy there. And I actually, it was reversed for me. I had the older grades distance learning. And then I came to this new district, um, and I got the TK one. And so, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a big challenge. And so I was quickly scrambling to figure out what I was going to do, what tech I wanted to do, uh, use. And it was me just shooting in the dark. Cause first of all, I didn't, I didn't even know my students. Uh, mm -hmm. I knew how many I was going to have. And I had 
the files and reports, but, um, you know, they can only say so much. They don't tell you really about the personality and, you know, other vital mm-hmm. things. And we know it's not one size fits all. So then fast forward, I have all this tech that I plan to use. I was researching like this, this should be great. This should be great. This will be awesome. And day eight, I threw that all out the window. <laughs> it was a good trial and error. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, for, for you, how was your first day via distance learning or virtual learning? Yeah, kind of like the same, you know, I had knots in my stomach all week. Um, the week before I was uh, distance learning and we have um, professional development the week before we actually go in. So I feel like that freaked me out a lot, like hearing the teachers. Um, yeah, this is going to be super hard. I don't know how we're going to do this. And I'm like, oh, no, like these <laughs> students like th- the biggest struggle for me um, when I was student teaching is that half of the kids didn't have access to computers, iPads, not even phones. And in addition to that, there was no Wi-Fi. The school had to pay for the Wi-Fi just so they could learn. So I thought it was going to play out the same way in my new school. So like I said, it was just like, how am I going to meet third graders that don't have access to laptops or no way to see me, you know? Um, but, but the good news was is that my school offered Chromebooks to all the kids. So, um, I knew, you know, that the worst case scenario was not going to happen. So then I was looking at the teachers, like, what is so bad about it? that I don't understand. Um, but you know, I, I think that day my stomach was like at its peak. I was like, I am so nervous. And like I said, I, I felt like heartbroken that I wasn't going to get like that new first day, like excitement and the rush and the smell of the crayons and the books. Um, like I said, that all other first year teachers had, but as soon as I saw like their faces, most of them got on like, oh, who's my teacher? Cause I was new to the district. They had no idea who I was. Um, that's like all that mattered. My, my stomach just completely like dissipated. Like I was fine. I was good. Um, so like I was the, te- I was the teacher and that's all they really cared about on the first day. It was like jam packed with, um, expectations and rules. Um, and like you said, some of my rules I had to throw out, out the window because, they were not working or they were just like off the chart, like never, I was never going to use them. Um, it was chaotic, but I felt good. And I was like to myself, wait, so I can do this. Like I'm not an imposter. I like worked for this. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting paid to do this now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, I was, uh, yeah, I was excited. Uh, I, I only got a little bit nervous cause I was going to be meeting the parents as well. And mm. I have the, the really young one. So that means I was going to be meeting the parents every single day. <laughs> so mm. normally I'm a very goofy, energetic teacher, but that's for the kids in a classroom, you know, in a very mm-hmm. somewhat private environment. But now here I am going to be doing it in front of the parents and so, or the adults or the guardians, whoever, whoever was in charge. And so mm-hmm. that was, uh, that's what got me a little bit nervous. So, um, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel I, I, I can be totally, I can be totally myself in front of the kids, but it's the parents that like are in front of adults. I'm like, Oh, they think I'm weird. <laughs> it's like, you're doing it for the kid. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I quickly got over it and I'm like, all right, this is uh mm-hmm. yeah. Like you said, it's all for the kids or, you know, keep, keep them entertained, make sure they have fun and you know, make sure they're learning as well. So mm-hmm. quickly got over it. So then you and I are both teaching from home. Uh, I initially started working from, from the get-go, we, I started working with my mom. We had distance learning. Uh, and I really wanted to get myself inspired. Like in the beginning, like I said, I, I tried all these new tech, all these strategies. Um, and I felt good, uh, in the beginning, but then I was getting burned out. And so I decided, let me just work from the school. Cause that was an option given to us. And so I just started to work from school. Um, Lots of, lots of strict guidelines I have to follow. But anyway, so I'm working from school and it's nice because I have access to all these resources that I, you know, that I wouldn't have at home. And 
kind of felt like I reinvented myself because, oh, I can use these puppets or these instruments or all these arts and crafts that are here at the school site and take advantage of the laminated and printer. And it, it worked for me and I feel good now. But for you, you know, you, you waited your whole life, you finished your credential program mm-hmm. and now you have your classroom, you get hired and then you find out that you'll be in a classroom with no kids. So what was that feeling like? Oh my gosh. I can't even explain it. I <laughs> felt like I, my heart like just broke. Um, and like, in addition, I took over one of um, the veteran teachers that have been there. I took over their classroom. So it didn't even, yeah, I was in my classroom or in a classroom, but it didn't even feel like mine. Um, I had to like move things around and I felt bad, like taking down some of our decorations. Um, but I had to, you know, in my head and I, and I wrote on Instagram, like I had to make it feel like as normal as possible, just so I would get out of that, like imposter syndrome. Um, and like, I would, ever since I was younger, since I was like seven, want to be a teacher, I had like too many plans, too many visions for (laughs) what my room would look like, feel like, smell like. And, um, it just like was stripped away from me, like, because the kids, no matter what play a huge part. Like I feel like no teacher pictures an empty classroom ever. That's just not, that doesn't happen. I picture a classroom filled with kids. And so my biggest part was not there. Um, but like I said, try to make it as normal as possible. Um, Oftentimes during student teaching, I took over from my cooperating teacher and um, this was in virtual and in um, regular teaching, I guess you would call it now. Um, It kind of just felt like I was always just a step in. And even because I didn't have my own classroom that had Miss Albright on it, um, I didn't have my kids in there. It kind of just felt like I was stepping in for the veteran teacher and not like not like these were my kids. And I keep saying this, but like it just definitely I just felt cheated in every sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So I I do like the idea how you said like classrooms are never really empty. And yeah, for me, I agree. I mean, the the classrooms are really empty when it's extended breaks, summer or winter break. Because even during the regular school year, there's like after school programs, there's meetings, there's like kids show up early, kids want to stay in the classroom. There's always people in and out of, mm-hmm. out of the classroom, but uh, yeah, it's definitely an odd experience uh, when I'm working and I'm in an empty classroom and I'm doing distance mm-hmm. teaching from my empty classroom. So odd, yeah, pretty it's odd. super weird. It's like lonely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I guess it's a quick, funny story. My aides, um, just to, just to mess around with me, they, they keep telling me like these scary stories that they said they experienced. Cause they, I took over a, a, a new teacher's, I took over the previous teacher's classroom. She moved. Mm-hmm. And so they they have been in my classroom before and they just like to mess around and tell me like the scary stories and tell me, Oh, have you heard this or that? Have you heard a knock and no one's behind the door? And, and yeah, just quick, I don't know. Oh my God. <laughs> and and so, then you think you hear it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I talked to the custodian and then he was egging me on too. He's like, oh yeah, you haven't noticed this? And I said, no, he's like, either I'm really stressed out and like the ghosts are trying to haunt me and I have not paying attention because I'm so <laughs> focused on the schoolwork. I, I could be getting, oh my yeah, gosh. yeah, there could be yeah, like an exorcism going on in front of me and I don't even notice, but yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> um, is funny. That's yeah. <laughs> so I saw that you decided, so when you went in person and you were in the classroom, I saw that you actually decided to decorate your classroom. I haven't decorated mine yet. I've only like touched the cabinet here, uh, <laughs> check the doors over here just to look, not really to decorate or add my touch yet, just cause I'm still trying to see what's available. And I'm still in that scavenger mode because I, I, I chat pretty frequently with a previous teacher just to ask her, where would I find this? Where would this be? Because uh, it turns out she sent a lot of the materials home towards the end of the last school year because that's when the pandemic happened. And so mm-hmm. a lot of materials got sent home and I'm just trying to see if there's any spares or extras. But you you were teaching hybrid for a bit, then you went back to virtual. So how was that? I mean, again, it was, it was like, 
I just got used to being hybrid and like seeing my kids the two days a week. Um, and I think the kids just got used to it too. So, I mean, you think about when you come back from breaks and, um, they're kind of just like wired, uh, that was it. When, and like the questions of Miss Albright, when are we going back? I, I really like being in school with you. I really, but, and I'm like, I, I don't know it, it, you know, it, it just felt like I was ripped off and it was like the, the ping pong effect, like I'm here and I'm there. So, um, the, the last time, well, the last time I was there when I was hybrid, um, and I went back virtual, we, the teachers weren't allowed in the building at all. So that last day you were supposed to take everything with you. Um, so again, I kind of just felt like unprepared. Um, I didn't have textbooks, so I was just like teaching off of like older lesson plans. Um, mm. that was stressful. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it kind of just felt like a ping pong. Like I didn't know where it was going to be next. It's like, um, you hold your breath every time you get an email, like, are we going back? And now do I have to plan like printing out like pages and things like that? Um, yeah, it was, it, it was ping pong. I was holding my breath a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of funny. Kind of describe it like, uh, uh, I don't know if you got bungee jumping before, but I've gotten bungee jumping before mm-hmm. and I had these bungee instructors that were giving very confusing instructions. They're like, all right, uh, bend your knees. And the other one said, no, so you're going to stand up. And the other one says, jump on three. And the other one says, you're going to jump on 10. <laughs> so it's like going back and forth. Do I jump or do I not jump? And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I, can, I can imagine that, that, uh, whiplash experience. Um, yeah. how was, so for that period that you did have the kids in the classroom, was it hard for them like in the beginning to just like to, I guess now it's the new norm of social distancing and mask and all these guidelines. Oh, like it was, it was so hard because they, they still, they know that, you know, like COVID-19 is like here and we have to be careful, but at the same time, they don't understand like how serious it is. Um, like they would go up to each other's desks, like even though they have the partitions and just like talk with them, I'm like, okay, you can't do that. But in the same way, it felt like I was ripping them away from like having a relationship with their other like peers. So it was hard for them to get it. And it was also hard for me to enforce. Um, and most of the day, cause we were only there for half, half a day was like, all right, mask back on. You got to put your mask on over your nose, wash your hands. When you go to the bathroom, when you come back in, use hand sanitizer. So in a weird way, like no, um, like ELA, no ELA, no math. I felt like as much as I was teaching ELA, I was interrupting my ELA lesson saying like, dude, you got, you got to put the mask over your nose. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, it kind of, it, it, it took away from my, from my teaching a lot. Um, and they say, you know, like every experience, especially with this COVID-19 it is a teaching experience, but I mean, I, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. I, it's only so many times that you can tell them, like, put the mask up. That's the germs will get in if you don't put the mask up. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine the ratio of you teaching versus repeating instructions and like, so mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it's, it can be very difficult, you know, especially for the young ones to understand, like understand you know, they might know what germs are, but they don't know how it transmits. Like they might know like, Oh, we have to wear masks. We have to say, you know, six feet apart. Some, some of them don't even know what six feet is. And so um, exactly. <laughs> it's, just, uh, it, it's very hard. So how did you get the like, classroom expectations or just even trying to build like classroom community uh, under such strange, you know, strange circumstances with the whole COVID restrictions? Yeah. So it, it was definitely hard. Um, a big thing that was a struggle for me is that the parents could choose if they wanted to send their kid in or not. So, um, in other words, if they decided that on Thursday, they didn't want to send their child in, they could just leave them home and then they would have to log on to zoom. And, um, that was hard. And when you talk about classroom community, because there's such a gap now, like paying attention to my kids that are online and building that community and building their relationships with them. Um, it was difficult because oftentimes, and it's, it sounds horrible when I say it, like I just 
like forgot that they were on zoom because I was so focused on put the mask up. You can't stand up. You can't cough in your hand. You have to cough with the ma- <laughs> go outside. You know what I mean? Like, um, so oftentimes like I forgot about them cause I was just so like, you know, I didn't want to break the guidelines. I didn't want it to be my class that someone tested positive. Um, it, it, it was, it was hard. Um, the only thing that I could say with the hybrid learning was like the masks. If they had these cool masks, um, they would want to show them off. And the only way they could show them off was for them to have them on all the way. Um, so I had a one kid come in with like this super cool lion mask. And that was the one day that he kept it on all day just because he wanted to show it off. So, um, that comes into play. Like can not all the students can afford these super cool masks. I mean, masks now can run to like $15. Um, so yeah, that, that was the only, only plus side about, um, making it, doable for the kids. Um, and like I said, if I could go back in time, I would really try to focus and figure out a way I could bond with my kiddos that were at home just as much as I did with the kids in school. Um, like when I say like talk about community, I think that really suffered when I was hybrid teaching. Yeah, you're right about these masks. They can be expensive. Like they, you know, they're the price mm-hmm. of like regular accessory items that we have. Like in our next, uh, fuck for me, I have my belt, my wallet, uh, watch sunglasses, and there's a mask. So it's just yeah. <laughs> like they're in the same price range now. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah it's, 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 it can be expensive. Um, and then, you know, just one look at your Instagrams. Uh, it's quite obvious that you love the holidays and planning for these holiday themes. Um, for me, I like entertaining the students. So if I do dress up, whether it's, you know, the hundred day of school or the Dr. Seuss day, you know, whatever it may be, or just any other, uh, school spirits, it's all about having fun. I kind of, I'll do it sometimes. And it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Are you a big planner for themes or, or even your outfits? Are you, or are you more spontaneous person? Like, oh, let's see what I'm going to wear now. No, I'm too much of a planner. Like I feel like a, like my third graders, like getting ready for the first day of school, like laying out like the socks and, and the pants and even to like the earrings and oh, like wow. what, like headband I'm going to wear. It's, it's pretty bad. And I like, um, go down and like show, I am still living with my mom, you know, just graduating college. You gotta save that money. <laughs> um, yeah, I go yeah. down and I show, <laughs> I show my mom like, mom, is this good? Does it look good? So I'm definitely a huge planner. Um, and I think what plays uh, a big part, like in my personal life, I went to Catholic school. So that means uniforms, uniforms, uniforms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't get to like express myself on those theme days, um, that kids that didn't have the uniforms could have. So, um, this is the way as a teacher, um, you know, I get into it and plan. Um, I think that's why I'm so into it. And I think, and hopefully you agree that the more that you get into it as a teacher and even like, quote unquote, embarrass yourself, even though I'm not embarrassed, um, the kids are more inclined to do it too. Like my teacher thinks it's cool. I'm doing it. So that's why I got to plan it out. You got to do it big. So the kids will be like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to do it bigger than Miss Albright. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're really into it, you can, I really like when they have competitions amongst the class. All right. Which, Mm -hmm. which third grade class or which fifth grade class has the most school school spirit. And uh, it's always a funny image once you're back in person, but it's always a funny image going in the lounge and, maybe seeing someone dressed like a Christmas tree or seeing someone dressed like a gingerbread or whatever it may mm-hmm. be, whatever the theme may be. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that's what I like. I'm so upset about. Cause I heard that um, the school that I'm at is really big on theme days and the teachers get like super into it. And I'm like, you guys don't know. Like, I think that I do it big, but they could definitely do it bigger than me. And I just don't know. So um, what's funny about like the whole dressing up is um, one of my kids' parents messaged me on class studio and said, um, my student has never been into this spirit day, theme day, anything until they had you as a teacher, because you make it seem 
cool. And I'm like, that is exactly what I was going for. <laughs> um, that's great. Um, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's jump into our first topic. And that's uh, music, using music as a teaching skill. And it's, it's no secret that I don't like singing. <laughs> when, oh, actually, I don't like singing when I first started teaching. And so, and that's just because I'm not a good mm-hmm. singer. Um, and I really you don't have to be a good singer. Yeah. I really don't need someone telling me that I'm a bad singer too. <laughs> so I just, I, I don't like, I didn't like singing until pretty recently until last year. Um, or I think like a year and a half ago when um, I started working with the younger ones. When I was with the older ones, I now I didn't want to sing. I just, uh, I, f- I figured I was going to get mocked. And once I was with the little one, it kind of just went out the window, kind of forced myself to sing. Cause we had, it's, it's a lot of movement, song and movement, uh, especially mm-hmm. our good morning song, our feeling song, uh, number song. We have a song for everything. And so mm-hmm. I, I just found myself like singing these songs so frequently. And all of a sudden I'm like humming these songs in the shower while I'm getting ready to work, taking my dog out for a walk. I'm like, Oh no. And so, um, <laughs> just, yeah. And so, you know, yeah, now I just started singing and it, it's a great way for the kids to learn. Have you always liked singing or did you find yourself liking to sing more because you're starting to teach? No. So when I was little, like I swore to my parents that I was going to be on American Idol. Uh. I would walk around like I used to have a band with my friends when I was probably in like fifth, sixth grade. Like I thought that that was going to be like my path. I was either going to be a teacher or I was going to make it big and be a singer. And now it's crazy that I get to be both. Um, but I do agree with you that, um, with the older kiddos, um, my brother teaches in high school and I was like, Ty, like, don't you get, you know, like music in there? And he's like, absolutely not. I, I would get made fun of. And I'm like, Oh, that stinks. Cause it, it's a great way to teach the kids and even to build that relationship with them. Um, but yeah, he knows like better than anyone that I am like a huge singer. And like I said, it's not even being good at it. It's just like the illusion. Like, do I think I'm a good singer? Absolutely not. (laughs) But the kids do. The kids do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I do agree. When I was a student teaching before I got comfortable in in the school that I was at, um, I would kind of like sit in the corner and like not sing along with them. And um, my cooperating teacher and her aide were like, Albright, like, why aren't you singing? It was kind of like I was getting made fun of for not singing. Um, So from that point on, I was just like, you know what? If, like I said, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it big. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to add some, you know, like the (laughs) movement in there. So, um, and a a big part of it too, is I used to work at a little gym for infants. And that's when I learned that like music and singing plays such a huge role. Um, We would sing a song about, how inf- like babies could learn how to roll over be like roll over and it works so that's when I like really realized that music isn't just like listening to a song and liking it it's that you can relate songs to everyday life mm-hmm. yeah you're right and this is a is a funny story a little bit off topic but uh one of my teacher <laughs> friends so she does a lot of singing uh and mm-hmm. she'll admit to that she's not a singer and then one time they had an actual professional singer artist come in to do a yes a guest a uh, guest guest lesson and so you know the singer played the ukulele had a lovely voice and I guess the day after her students asking like, why don't you sing like uh, such and such? And so just kind of like, I guess it kind of like shattered her like, wow, thanks for that's. I guess that was their nice way of letting them know that she's not a good singer. <laughs> that is funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can but, see my kids doing that. Too. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, so we know music has a, has a big effect in us and it makes us dance. And you know how you said it makes us cry, helps us relieve moments. And it basically has a huge influence on us. And music has shown that it in, impacts if we have depression, it can help us spend uh, productivity and even like the way we 
perceive the world. Um, and so with music being so influential, you know, it's great to take something like powerful, like music and use it as a great tool for teaching in the classroom. And one of the first ways I first started using music in the classroom was for social emotional learning. Uh, we have a morning song and we try and talk about the students' feelings. Uh, it helps us practice saying hello, um, you know, greetings. And you can take a classic song that students might know uh, or maybe a melody that they might know and change it or adapt it for lyrics for social emotional learning. So I think the there's like the hokey pokey song and we change it to help students with like self coping and how to relax basically when they're stressed out. And you can change. So like, you know, you, you take a d deep breath in, you take a deep breath out, you take a deep breath in and then you let it all out and you know, boom, there you go. You have a hokey pokey social emotional song right there. And yeah, so th there's lots of songs that you can change about feelings and emotions and counting down or taking a breath, uh, like open and shutting your hands if you, if you fidgety. And so, yeah, with all this, ha have you ever used songs to help like tackle social and emotional learning? All the time. I'm, I'm super big on social emotional learning. Um, I always say that you can't teach a, a child if, if you don't hit that social emotional, um, part. And, uh, I use it, um, go noodle. I don't know if you're familiar. You probably are. Go yeah. Noodle. Yeah. So that I use that all the time. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of like cheating. Like I don't make it up myself, but um, it still plays a huge part in our day, especially on high anxiety days, like test days, um, unit testing. Um, there's a song that's called like Take a, D a Deep Breath. And it's super cool. It's like a nose and he's just like dancing around and he's just saying like, if you have a test, take a deep breath, like just relax. <laughs> and just even the music, like even I find myself like I am super relaxed, right? right now. Um, the kids love it. They think it's hilarious that a nose is dancing on their screen. Um, and it's literally just two minutes out of your day just to teach the kids how to breathe and distress. Um, I'm big on like, are everyone just pause? Like I literally did it today. Like pause, take a deep breath, like do it again. Take a deep breath. <laughs> Um, it's harder with like the hokey pokey, which I actually do like that. Take a deep breath in, take a deep breath out. Um, because the kids want to hear like, Oh, I'm not singing the hokey pokey. Like that's baby music. And it's like, okay. So we got, I got to figure out a way to put it into like a, a song that I hear them sing from like TikTok or, um, on the radio, but yeah, definitely do social emotional all the time. Yeah, you're right. You can't really t even teach anything of like the kids are not even like they're not, you know, emotionally there um, or so, mm -hmm. you know, socially, emotionally like invested. And with those songs, like say the, the hokey pokey song. So I like incorporating dancing or even singing with partners, um, particularly a morning song. I'm not just, uh, you know, looking up or looking at the back of the classroom and singing. I'm, I'm singing to the class and, you know, they're singing back with me and the same thing with dancing. I'm dancing with them, you know, putting our foot, you know, right foot in, right foot out, left foot in, or, you know, hands up high, touch your toes. And so I'm dancing with them. They're all participating. Um, I know some of them are dancing to their own tune. Like it could be like a really <laughs> slow song and they're dancing fast or vice versa. They're dancing the music is really upbeat and they're dancing super slow. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> we can make music a social activity and finding a partner, go back and forth, maybe sing two verses and your other partner sings two verses. Uh, boom, there you go. You have a duet. Um, same thing if maybe you have one class sing one part of a chant and the other class sing another. Uh, the image that comes in my head is like, if you ever go to like a, like a stadium uh, and there's a performance or concert like that, like that's always the picture that comes to my head. Like, you know, one side says this, the other side says that. Um, mm -hmm. You can even make it a friendly competition to see which side is louder or which group is louder. So it, it's fun listening to music. So it's only you know, a more fun experience if you listen to music together. And so that's, I guess that's why people like going to concerts. And so, cause everyone likes, everyone's there for the same music and to sing and dance together. So do you incorporate a lot of opportunities like for students to interact with each other when incorporating music? Yeah. So it, it's a little bit harder, like virtually, but uh, if I go back in and, and think about, you know, in, um, in student teaching with the kindergartners, um, like you said, it, it's funny to see, 
that um, if you pair up a child that's going fast to slow music and a child <laughs> who's like really on beat and you get like the child who's going on beat like teaching the one that's moving faster to move and that I think that's super cool to watch that you literally have a kindergartner teaching a kindergartner like just rhythm just that small little like teachable moment right there and a child did it um I think that's awesome but um when I was hybrid teaching right next door to me I had I call her my work wife um my teacher friend (laughs) we uh we would have a competition with uh Miss Kids songs skip counting songs um and they would hear us through the wall because my kids would just like belt it out and um she came into the room and was like, do you want to have a competition? Cause my kids think that they can sing louder than you. And that was just great. And it's not even, it, it was crazy. Cause it wasn't even my kids in the class either. Like we were all interacting with each other. We were all moving together, but then we even just inspired a whole other class to move along with us. So um, definitely uh, a big thing is the kids bop shuffle. And that's on uh, go noodle too. Um, when the kids were virtual, I had them in their little boxes and they weren't allowed, which, you know, was hard in itself, but eventually they learned not to step in anybody else's boxes, but to move with each other. Um, you know, it was just a shuffle. So everyone was moving to the right, to the right, to the right, and then to the left, to the left. And that was cool to see, like music can even bring us together when it feels like, you know, the pandemic, it, it kind of feels like the world is ending and they were just moving along with each other. It was super cool. So yeah, definitely incorporating a lot of opportunities for the, the students to groove with each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anytime you offer the opportunity, like a competition between kids, they'll take it. Like for me, I, when I was in school, like, all right, competition, that means bragging rights. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And then even when starting off with music, so like I said, I really wasn't a fan of, I really wasn't a fan of singing um, in the beginning. And I made plenty of mistakes, especially when it comes to learning new songs uh, that play to the melody of other songs. I'll I'll say, I'll end up saying the original lyrics um, or even songs that have music and movement, trying to incorporate both at the same time. It can be a little tricky. So I, I took some time for like moments where I did mess up to teach the class. Like, all right, it's okay to, to mess up a song. It's okay if I didn't get the lyrics right. Just like it's okay to be nervous before a performance. Um, same thing like an artist might get these, uh, these jitters or the butterflies right before, uh, they're about to do a you know big performance. So that's, that's stage fright, you know, even professionals get it. And so I let the students know that. And I told them, you know, the more we practice music, the more we practice singing and dancing, then the more comfortable we can get. And this is a safe zone. No one's going to make fun of you. And the students built that confidence up as well. And I also get that net. Every performance is going to be great. Again, I, I still mm-hmm. mess up some lyrics every now and then. And I tell the students, it's okay. And these are great opportunities to teach students how to cope when something doesn't go their, go their way, maybe a performance. And pre-COVID, we had talent shows. Um, even in the summer, when I do summer camps, we do like talent shows as well. And it can be quite daunting performing uh, in front of your class or in front of those school as well. And I let the students know that, you know, it's okay, no matter what happens, whether, you know, they're, they hit it out of the park or maybe there's, they're off key a little bit or, or maybe they play the instrument wrong as well. So have you taken opportunities where maybe you messed up a song, a lyric or a beat, or even just while you're dancing and then you teach the students, yeah, it's okay, friends, we make mistakes. Yeah, all the time. I am like a huge advocate on it's okay to make mistakes. Mistakes are proof that you're trying. And um, I kind of laid out from the beginning of the year. um, A big thing is like, hey, I'm a first year teacher. I am going to make so many mistakes, um, but it's fine. I'm trying my best. And that's all that matters. And I I definitely noticed um, when we were doing our songs, um, just like skip counting songs, some of them would make a mistake and all the kids would turn to them like, oh, like, how dare you do that? And I'm like, okay, like everyone like take a step back. Like this person, so-and-so, my friend is trying their best. Um, This is 
really hard to get. You know, we got to say it in rhythm. We have to cancel out all the words to the song that we already know. Um, you know, so I'm a big advocate on like make mistakes. Um, maybe you can make a huge mistake and actually it sounds better in the song when it's sung that way. Um, so yeah, definitely a huge advocate. I I even say to the kids, like, all right, I, I don't care how many mistakes you make. All I care is that you're trying. Um, and like, in addition, I, I'm, I've been bringing up the skip counting songs a lot, but, um, I was never good at math growing up. So even just like skip counting, I had to practice them on my own time. I had to sing them to my parents just to make sure they sounded good. Um, like all the time. So it's like, you know, if you, if you miss a number here or there, it's fine because I'm going to do it too. Um, it's all about practice. A huge advocate on practice makes progress. Practice does not make perfect. We got this. Um, so yeah, definitely always say it's okay. If we make mistakes, we're good. Yeah, especially yeah. in songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of mistakes with songs, I had funny situations when, or even now, like I'll be singing the songs thinking I know the lyrics and I'm totally off. And I actually, you know, take the time to look up the lyrics and say what they're saying. Like, Oh, okay. And then, <laughs> you know, I'll figure out what they're actually saying. And then even when I was younger, I would get in trouble because I would sing certain songs and, they were totally inappropriate lyrics, but I didn't know what I was saying. And so <laughs> I would get in trouble <laughs> for that. But mm-hmm. you know, taking something like that, like songs are great ways to introduce students to new words, like basically teach them new words and enhancing their language capabilities uh, and also the reading comprehension. So when we sing songs, we're repeating them over and over, rehearsing, we're repeating the vowel sounds, the syllables, the rhythmic phrases, syntax and harmony. And we're helping students how they say these new words correctly and we have the uh, phonological awareness which is pivotal for reading and writing skills and closely related to pitch pitch awareness um, and musical expertise and since most songs have some kind of rhyme scheme uh, these rhyme songs are a great way of promoting inflection and fluency um I have examples where students would attempt to read a word that looks familiar to them because they might recognize it from the rhyme family in in a song. Uh for example, uh, students might know bat hat sat but then maybe there's a slightly bigger word like aristocrat or bat and they might recognize the <laughs> The, the rhyme scheme there, or they might recognize the rhyme scheme or the, the, the rhyme there from a song. And then it kind of helps them get a better idea how to pronounce this word. Um, like, Oh, I know that ends in at, so let me try my best. And they're able to figure out the word um, because of the rhymes that we have in our songs. Have you used songs mm-hmm. to help students maybe with their language development? Yeah, so definitely. Um, more, more in um, kindergarten, uh, we use, uh, I think that, yes, yeah, sight words. So I had to remember that word. Now I have to get into my kindergarten brain. Um, sight words a lot. We, we use songs for sight words and um, you, you would hear them sing them in the hallway. And it was amazing because um, if you can sing it, you you can say it. And you know that song because you, like I would hum the, the lyrics, like even just to you know, like skip counting, like I would hum the song and they would say, Oh yeah, two, four, six, eight, eight is next. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You see how you can just hum it and it comes to you. Um, but yeah, definitely more, um, language. I use songs for language development in, uh, the younger years. Um, and rhyming was a huge part because I don't think kids understand that, most songs rhyme and they go together. Um, and most of the time they're like, Miss Albert, why are we learning like rhyming? Like sometimes it's, it's, it's hard. I'm like, well, if you want to be a singer or you want to be this rapper that you said that you want it to be, you have to learn how to rhyme. You have to know how words work together in that puzzle. So, um, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, if I were to move down grade levels, I, I would definitely, use songs for language development even more. Um, I, I do spelling tests and I say like, if you can say, 
uh, trying to think of a word, just, I guess this would be like kindergarten. If you can say hat, you can also say bat. All you have to change is the beginning sound like, huh, like, you know what I mean? So, um, definitely for spelling too. Yeah, it's a good way. Yeah. The songs that focus on those high frequency or those sight words, it's a great way. Um, and you know, with singing these words over and over again, kind of like, you know, leads to memorization because we all have our favorite songs and we all know the lyrics of them because mm-hmm. you know, we like them and we memorize them. And so music is a great way to help students memorize content and songs that have rhythm and rhyme actually help students memorize the content even better. So mm-hmm. what the, the oldest trick in the book, especially with the younger ones, they're learning their, their, their alphabet. They sing the ABC song. They add a little melody and then all of a sudden uh, it's a catchy tune. Every kid learns the ABCs that way. So you can even take uh, the capital song, the state song, and basically you can make a song about any subject to help students memorize your content. Uh, All you got to do is... take a catchy beat. It might be something that they're already popular with. Uh, it gets stuck in their head and add that content to it. And they memorize that song and it helps them out. And I've seen uh, particularly kind of like fourth and fifth graders when I think it was a capital song, the, the, the States and the capital song, I see them nodding their head and I'm imagining them singing the, <laughs> singing the song internally, mm-hmm. trying to memorize, all right, what's the capital of this state or even songs that have to do with order of operations and they're taking a test yeah. and I see them looking up or I see them like trying to hum it. Um, yeah, it, it helps them out. Have you, oh, actually you have actually used skip counting songs since like you mentioned earlier before, have you noticed any improvements mm-hmm. in like their math outcomes? Yeah, it, it's, it's insane. Um, cause first I taught like, all right, let me just see if they need these songs. Um, do I want to incorporate them? So, uh, you got the, the face, the confused face, um, most of the time when I'm explaining like, all right, this is why multiplication works. Um, and then, you know, after a week of all those confused faces and then just, it's not like clicking with them. I realized like, all right, what is better than those time tests? You know, what better way can I get them to memorize? Cause essentially like it, it is just memorization. Um, at the end of the day, that's what helped me understand multiplication. Um, instead of giving those time tests and, and creating like test anxiety, like why not make it fun? So yeah, when I say skip counting songs, I do want to shout her out. Mrs. Anna kids. It's, <laughs> it's not, no, I didn't make them up. I wish I did, but, um, that's who I used. And it's crazy because I show her videos. Um, and they look at Mrs. Anakid as a celebrity. And it's amazing to see this teacher, like big on social media, become this huge celebrity, like especially in my class. Um, but yeah, definitely there has been huge improvements in, in my class. And like you said, you can notice them dancing with the beat or do a little like hand signal that I do <laughs> for each one of the um, skip counting or each one of the numbers. And um, I, I noticed that I'm like, oh, like they're using it. And there's nothing better than seeing your like teaching strategy or something that you taught like in action. Um, even just this week, I'm teaching area and, um, not going to lie to you area. I was like, (laughs) had so much anxiety teaching area. Uh, I couldn't even sleep on, on Sunday because I was just nervous. Like I I didn't want to teach it wrong. And, um, I know I talk about making mistakes, but sometimes if you make too many mistakes as a teacher, you know, you you confuse them. Um, and that's what I I didn't want to do. So, um, I brought in the, the skip counting song and make sure that I showed them what was happening. Cause essentially it's just multiplying. And, uh, one of my students, he brought up that the reason why he knew that the area was 14 was because he sang Miss Kid's skip counting song to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he's huge uh, on the skip counting songs. And I think a lot of his success in math is because of those songs. And, um, even, I mean, I, I remember songs when I was in, a little bit older, my math teacher, never forget him. His name is Mr. Gross. Um, he sang a factor tree song and I still remember, like I still catch myself just randomly singing it. And that's my goal for my kids to be 22, 23 years old, still singing these skip counting songs, helping them with like everyday math. Um, so yeah, like I, I was explaining them today, like multiplication, is one of those those strategies that you're going to use forever. 
um, why not make it fun? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's always the, the best feeling when you see students taking what you taught them and them applying it on their own. Cause you know, we want to, mm-hmm. end of the day, we want to promote that independence. So that's always the best feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always think it's awesome when a teacher does remix a, uh, well-known song or a melody and basically make it educational. I'm sure there's lots of examples on TikTok. And so with so many educational songs out there and resources and stuff just already made, just a vast library out there. How do you choose which ones you want to use in class? Um, my biggest thing is what is going to like resonate with me? What am I going to remember? Uh, the hardest part is with these skip counting songs is, um, you know, like I, I love the hokey pokey, but the hokey pokey is not something that like third graders want to listen to. They want to listen to thunder. They want to listen to the music that they hear on the radio. You know what I mean? So it's, um, songs that I, I catch myself singing every once in a while. Um, my biggest thing I saw Miss Kid on TikTok and, um, I heard one of her songs, I practiced it. And then I found myself singing it when I was trying to count something by twos, getting ready for, for my class. And here I am singing it. I'm like, yeah, no, this is, this is good. It's the now it's a, a song for the now for the kids in this generation. So it's, it's just a big thing is again, what's going to resonate with me. If it doesn't help me, it's hard. If I'm not passionate, passionate about it, if I'm not into it, it's not going to help my kids. Um, they want to see something that you like that you're into. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. And if you really want to take the music to the next level, you can add movements. And so, you adding movement and singing together and then you're improving the hand-eye coordination. It can be something simple. If you want to clap, tap your knees, tap your shoulders, body parts, hop on one foot, et cetera, rolling. It's all kinesthetic learning. Um, and so why not, you know, why not work on the gross motor skills at the same time? So do you use movement with your songs? Yeah, definitely. I, I always add some, some dance moves in there just to make it more fun, get the whole body involved. Uh, a lot more in kindergarten too. It, it was cool to see them. Like you said, like tap your foot, jump on one foot, rub your head. Um, that was pretty cool to see. And, uh, it, it was a skill that they worked on. Um, even with like my pre-Kers, uh, toddlers that I worked with, it, it was cool by the end of the year, they could do it. And they're like, Miss Aubrey, like, look at me. So, um, yeah, definitely. Movement is, is super cool in songs. It, it, it gives it a little extra like spice. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. Then spice is a variety of life. Is that, is that how they're saying goes? Mm-hmm. And so, um, <laughs> We, we all get tired as teachers and we know it's, uh, teachers have that burnout and there's, you know, there's times throughout the day where I feel I'm losing interest, uh, from the students. And if you have the younger ones and their attention spans are really short. So it, it seems like a long day, especially if you're teaching, uh, via distance learning and you're you're not going to have the student's attention like the full day, a hundred percent engagement, a hundred percent participation the whole day. And their level goes up and down, just like our level goes up and down. And so when I'm working on lesson plans, it's even hard for me to just sit down and concentrate. And so I give myself brain breaks and I actually incorporate music and movement as well. And so the music I play or listen to really depends on what I'm trying to achieve. Do I need to hype myself up? <laughs> um, then you know, I give myself a brain break. Mike, do a upbeat song? Uh, what's it called? Like Little John, like the biggest hype man out there. And so, or do I put uh, you know something to to settle me down? To really, if I'm really stressed out, um, maybe help me focus more. Maybe some classical music, or just maybe just instrumental music, um, just to help me relax and maybe even meditate and basically clear my worries for a bit. So it's all experimentation just to see what type of songs work for me and also what type of songs work for your students. Uh, I know some teachers like putting music in the background for group work or music in the background while students are reading or doing some kind of test or assessment. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you you experiment with songs to see what they like and like do you use them for brain breaks as well? Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Um, my morning meeting. So like clearly I'm, I'm all about music. I do my best work when I have music in the background and I'm doing a little groove to just make it more fun. Um, my favorite thing is every morning they come on. Um, I used to like when it was around the holidays, I would play, um, Kwanzaa songs, Hanukkah songs, Christmas songs, all, all different types of like holiday songs. Um, and then, uh, e- even now, now I play, you know, um, on Spotify, there's a, uh, Mr. Nelson's classroom playlist. And I would play that. Um, it, it would depend on like how I kind of feel if I'm kind of feeling like I just want to relax and do my, do my, um, you know, do, do my stuff, do my, do my work. Uh, I would play just like morning relaxation music. Um, on Fridays, definitely on Fridays, I am playing pump up jams. So I see the kids bobbing their head. Um, and then to put music even more in my classroom, I use Anna kids to or boot. Um, basically what the kids do is I play a familiar song that most of them have heard on the radio, obviously um, clean music. Um, and then the kids vote if it's a uh, two or if it's a boot. So two is a good song. Boot is a bad song. Um, and they would vote and then I'd add it to a playlist. If it's a two, if most of my um, kids say it's a two, and then that's what I would play in the morning and they love it. And they love to see uh, songs that they know and they're singing along. Um, yeah. So definitely try to figure out what, what the kids are into these days, even though I feel like I'm young and I know what's going on. I really honestly don't. <laughs> so this two or boot really helps me figure out uh, what they're feeling. Yeah. And even just saying tutor boot is, is much it's a more fun way than saying yes or no. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> and, you know, last, last thing I do want to talk about is, uh, as far as music is, I like teaching perspective and acceptance and kind of like how you, you have the students vote. Not every song is going to be a hit mm-hmm. uh, with your students. And just like how we have different tastes in, in books and movies, we have different tastes in music. And I joke around with my students. Sometimes I sing really bad, which isn't saying much, but uh, I'm not good at singing to begin with anyway. But I'll ask the students, oh, did you like my singing? Some will say no, because you know, kids can be really honest and brutal. And then some will say, oh, I have a lovely voice. And I don't know if they're really lying or if they really think I have a lovely voice or if they just... Um, haven't heard too many people singing, but yeah, either way, it's really cute. And you know, teaching students that we all have different singing abilities and different tastes in music is a great way to teach perspective and acceptance of others. You know, I have students kind of like you when we vote. So I have students that request songs um, that they like and some they don't like. And I model certain sentence frames for students to say if they don't like the song, instead of saying, oh, this song sucks. <laughs> I have them say, oh, uh, I, I don't like this song or I like another song better. Um, kind of like how you kind of like a Socratic seminar with older kids, respected, you know, respectfully with respect, acknowledging a different stance. And I like this, this other person likes this and it's okay if we don't like the same thing. And so I provide lots of opportunities to pick a song they want to listen to, uh, particularly with, I have, I have, I have classroom jobs. So one, my, one of the classroom jobs is someone being the, the song picker. And so oh, that's awesome. uh, they'll pick the song. Yeah. And then I, I still acknowledge, um, for those that might want another song, I still acknowledge their, their participation. Uh, or even when we do votes, if it's, you know, 60% said this and the other 40% said that I still acknowledge like those that were in the minorities. Oh, you know, thank you for participating. We have time. Then we can play your song later on. And I, I had times where a student doesn't get their song chosen and they don't want to participate. But, you know, I let them know that uh, if we don't like a song, um, we, we don't like a song personally, but our friends like it. And you know, let's, let's help out our friends. Let's, let's at least try. Have you had students um, who are a little bit resistant uh, participating in maybe musical activities and how do you encourage them? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I have like one student that came to mind as soon as you said that. Um, <laughs> if he doesn't like a song, he is going to shut off his camera and he is going to keep saying, it's a boot, it's a boot, it's a boot. <laughs> um, and that's when I'm like, all right. So um, actually, I just said today, everyone has their own opinions. Um, I like the color yellow. Some of you guys think that the color yellow is gross. Um, it doesn't hurt my feelings, but we don't have to use words like that. Like you said, we can just say, Hey, I don't like this. Um, and like I said, uh, with the whole two or boot, you can just let me know that you don't like it by not raising your hand. Right. Um, and, and another thing is, uh, Hey, um, if you don't like somebody else's music, how would you feel if they kept screaming that it was awful? Um, when you were trying to get your, like trying to get hype and trying to get in your zone, it, it, it would not feel good. Right. Um, so that's a big thing. It's like, how would you feel if this happened to you? Um, but all in all, it's, I try to keep them with their mics off. And then if they want to raise their hand and tell me why they don't like it, they can. Obviously, I'm not going to like shut them down. Um, but, you know, like if someone really likes the song and wants to jam along with me, um, that we're going to jam. Um, just today we were listening to radioactive by imagine dragons and you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of the song. Do like, I do like, uh, imagine dragons, but I, I you know, I, I don't know why, but I don't like it. And I was honest and I said it, I said, um, you know, it, it gets me dancing, but it's just not a song that I would choose to listen to all the time. Um, and the kids were like, yeah, I kind of agree with you. Like, it's just not what I would choose. Not it sucks. It's awful. I don't want to hear it ever again. It's just, I wouldn't choose it. <laughs> if that makes sense. So I try to reciprocate how I want them to act and how I act. I like that. And even just, uh, I know you do the tutor boot. I know that there's some other ways I phrase it. Like if I'm trying to find out whether I like a song, I'll like, do you want to listen to that song again or no? And like, if they want to listen to it again, obviously they like it. If no, then, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they might not like it. I have some kids like, no, they said once it's good. There's nice ways of saying you do or don't like a song. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> Yeah, last thing I would say is uh, sometimes you just need to be silly with your kids. Uh, I think you said it earlier, you know, if you, you got to go big or go home. And so mm -hmm. if they see you're willing to make a fool out of yourself, whether it's a singing or whether it's a dancing or both, you know, they'll be more likely to participate. And uh, dancing silly is the best because, you know, if my teacher's willing to get silly then and get, you know, make a fool out of themselves, then eh, I guess it's okay for me to dance and sing mm -hmm. too. So, uh, my kids really like the, like shake your silly is out song. Um, I think it's Jack Hartman, but, and so lots of movements and just being really over the top, really exaggerated, like even more than ever doing, if I'm doing it behind a computer screen. So I really got to exaggerate the movements, especially since they can't see my feet. And so, um, I, I know it's not easy. Uh, and I don't, I'm still trying to get in my comfort zone. So when it comes to singing and dancing, uh, I do like doing it. Um, but for my class, but you know, the moment it all comes in, I feel a little embarrassed, uh, but I learned to get over it. Um, the look I usually get from the adults, uh, whoever's coming in to visit is you know, a quick, quick laugh. Um, either that or mm -hmm. raised eyebrows, which probably makes me think I'm, I'm overdoing it. <laughs> those big eyebrows, those raised eyebrows and the big eyes. Uh, what, what advice would you give to teachers who might, you know, who might not like doing that music and, and dancing or think it's outside their comfort zone? I mean, it, it definitely takes, um, a little bit of time, but th the thing that I would say is you miss out on that super cool, uh, bond that you have with your kids. Um, that is like my biggest thing. Y you'll miss out on it. It's, it's great to, to be silly every once in a while. Um, I've had teachers who, who honestly scared me because they wouldn't even like crack a smile. Um, and I, I, I wasn't close with them. I can't even tell you their name because it, I just didn't make that bond with them. Um, so it's just, you know, it, it, it takes a little bit start small and then as you, that's what I did. And then you get, you know, you, you move on it and you get bigger and more extravagant and more crazy as you, um, get used to it. Um, like I said, if it's, it's a bond that you miss out on and you kind of 
create this, you can't be silly. You have to be like normal. Um, I love when my kids call me weird. I love it. It's like, Oh, I'm weird. Love it. I love being weird. Um, cause I am. And I, I, I like, you know, I, that's one of my favorite qualities is just that, you know, sometimes Miss Albright can be weird. Sometimes Brooke Albright can be weird. Um, my friends sometimes look at me like, what are you doing? You know, we're not your kids. Um, but definitely it's just it, the, the worst thing they're going to do is call you weird. The worst thing they're going to do is say that you're a bad singer. <laughs> what do you have to lose? Like you and I, we know we're not the best singers because we're not, if we were really good singers, we'd be famous right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I, it's, it's the worst, it, whatever it's, you know, it's just something that you, you get used to, I think over time and, um, the more comfortable you are, uh, the better you get. And, um, again, look in the mirror, be weird in the mirror and, um, do like your funny dance moves, make a weird face. And then you get to see how somebody else perceives you. You know what I mean? That's, you could practice by looking at yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And so as, as we wrap this episode up, is there any advice that you would give to new, to new teachers or those even thinking about entering the educational field? Two words is just do it. <laughs> if you're thinking about it, you're made for it. Just do it. Um, the worst advice I got is uh, people looking at me like, why would you want to do that? Um, do it. It's it's the most rewarding job ever, it, especially just even a student calling me weird. I feel rewarded every day. Um, it's hard. I, you can agree with me. It, it's really hard. Some days I think uh, I don't get paid enough to do this, but um, it's not about the money for me. I get paid with smiles and laughs and giggles and those little moments. So um, definitely do it and uh, give it your all. Again, you have nothing to really lose. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. And this has been another episode of Teachers Care Society. I want to say thank you to today's guest, Brooke, and most importantly, you, the listeners. Thank you.